We say hello and gamma joba to Halftime at Midnight, your podcast about Georgian football in English. My name is Amir and it's of course a pleasure to introduce my good friend who is now back from holidays, uh, Kaki. Hi Amir and hello everyone. Very excited to be here Amir once again. Uh, I'm not sure if you have the count but it is our 18th episode. So we are officially about to complete the first full qualifying season of our national team. Not a very successful season till Amir but a season at least. So that has to mean something, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. I want to start by apologizing for the kind of uh, space in between the latest episodes. Uh, of course, but there's been happening a lot of things uh, in between since last time we spoke. Last time there was an episode, I think we uh, gave the GFF some uh, criticism and the national team was just about to um, to start their uh, their qualification games, the critical ones. And uh, so they did. And um, I don't know where you want to start, Kaku, with this. Do you want to jump straight into the national team topic? or? Yeah, I think that's the best thing. But as we are apologizing, Amir, I also want to mm-hmm. apologize from my side because, and before we start with the, with the tough topics, um, when in almost all of our previous episodes, you can hear on the back of my voice a, a barking dog. So I, I received some comments about it. So this time I wanted to do something different and record somewhere else. So I drove, uh, let's say, around 30 miles to a friend's house in order to do that. But surprisingly, and you can imagine my surprise face, uh, it seems like they have rescued a, a parrot who's in the backyard. So now you won't hear of the barking dog, but a screaming crazy parrot instead. So don't think that there's somebody being killed on the back, okay? It's just a parrot. No, no, it's just a parrot <laughs> enjoying our conversation about Georgian football. It's for yeah, everybody. So yeah, Speaking about that... <laughs> You and your Costa Rican zoo. Yeah, that, that, dogs, yeah. Parents, whatnot. Uh, okay, man. The national team, as it was. Uh, we, did we start with the, let's start with the game against Greece. Because I know that that game was a personal one for you. You mentioned many times that, oh, this, this game against Greece will mean so much for me. Mainly yeah. out of revenge feelings, right? Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird, Amir, because, okay, we have to agree... And, uh, uh, well, we have to recognize the fact that we blew up the, the opportunity of qualifying or, or, or whatever. You're know, speaking about qualifying for us. It's, it's just too much. But anyways, we, we blew up everything, uh, like in the September matches. So, you know, life goes on. And we had, we had to continue with, with, the, with the fight of, of building a team. The problem with Greece is that this match described exactly why I have this feelings against them. And, you know, uh, you, I can't tell you that Georgia played better. We actually played really bad that game. The result uh, is fair. But the way it, it, it goes and the way we have the result is something that uh, you can remember in every match against Greece, especially when you're their hosts. You know, a penalty, uh, you know, which gives me a lot of doubts in the 19th minute. Uh, I, I don't know why it's, it always has to be that way. Okay, I won't argue the historical matches in the past where we lost 3-0 in Athens or, or even the 1-1 draw in, in, uh, earlier this year, uh, which actually I think we deserve to win. But we, I won't speak about that, but I will mention that every time we face Greece in Georgia, we have this kind of strange things happening in the last minutes, you know? And uh, well, I expected this year to be the same, and it happens. So, yeah, you know, w- without speaking specifically about the Georgian performance, 
I'm just surprised that against Greece, it's always the same story. Yes, but and then in the end, you mentioned it now, it, the way it happened makes it feel even, even more annoying. Even though we should be honest that Georgia would not have deserved a point from that game. The statistics were quite dominant in Greece's favor. But still, it was a VAR decision going against. You can say what you want about that. You know my view on VAR and how it's used. The handball situation, I think it was. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to add because I... Prior to this game, I had said that I would not care about the national team in the current state because now there was, you know, everything was already lost and there was nothing but like pride to play for. And uh, was there any standout play for you in this particular game? It's hard to maybe pick. Yes, well, maybe maybe annoying is the word, is the perfect word for this to describe this this episode. Mm. Uh, but you know. Overall, it was interesting to see Chakve uh, and and Huicha back together after so long. So they were not on their best. Maybe maybe Chakve was better. He was actually um, uh, performing. To me, he was the the, the best player on the pitch uh, until he was substituted. Uh, Huicha was way out of his form. Uh, we know the reasons, and we'll speak about it later. But mm-hmm. yeah, overall, I would say. It was nice to see some of the old gangs, uh, some of the players we've been missing uh, already there. Um, George's as well uh, on the top. But yeah, I, I think these guys, they need more time. And this is something we will speak later on as well, Amir, because, you know, mm. I, w- I wanted to, to jump on the highlights, but we'll do that after after the, the Kosovo's matches review. But if you check all the, all the lineups of the Georgian national team in these seven qualified matches, we never, re- we never repeated the lineup, not even the eighty percent. And if you take out the the the, 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 the consecutive consecutive games between uh, against Sweden and Spain in the, in the beginning of the season, um, the difference between the lineups are are huge. I mean, I, they could say fifty percent of the players used in the last game were repeated. So it means that we don't have an actual body in the team. We don't have an actual uh, team. I mean, it's 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 strange. You have seven games. You you put three or four guys in the same position. It just makes no sense. You can't think about anything having this uh, reality going on unless you disagree with me. And I'm, maybe I'm missing something there. No, it's true because it's hard to say which is Georgia's main eleven. I can't answer that to be honest. I can answer it based on who I think, but it's never, you know. Oh, this is the proper eleven, which we know are starting week in and week out. Sweden has this system, for example. They will only change if there is a suspension or uh, you know some kind of injury. Then there's one, two changes at most. Uh, I know Spain are rotating heavily. That's uh, you know they have a different pool to kind of pick from, so they don't really lose anything from doing so. But Georgia. With the limited material, you would think that they have a framework that they stick with. But I, I don't want to use it as an excuse also, but because maybe this is just Sanyol's way of kind of learning who to count on. But ideally, you don't experiment with this in the middle of a qualification. But okay, now he can because it's all lost anyway. Yeah. yeah and speaking about that, uh, he, he made a 
a few experiments as well in the in the match against Kosovo, and actually he got some 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 answers from it. You know, he got a result, which was important as we were facing a terrible anti-record in World Cup qualifiers. So it was needed as 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 air to breathe to have a victory. Man, you're speaking about the victory against Kosovo away now. Yeah, yeah, I had like. I was watching this game with maybe 20% attention because Sweden versus Greece was at the same time and that had a lot of more stake in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did manage to brief myself on the game after. And I'm not sure what I'm most surprised about. The fact that we're winning a game or that we are scoring more than one goal in a game. I'm not sure what's the biggest uh, achievement of them both. Well, you, maybe maybe the biggest achievement is, is that after this match, the head coach of Kosovo was was sacked. <laughs> was sacked exactly. So maybe you know you see losing against Georgia is enough reason to to sack your coach. So yeah, maybe we're in a bad yeah. in a bad level now. So you mentioned Kosovo's coach Kaki and uh, the fact that he was fired, and you can also see it in the way that Georgia is making coaches very uncomfortable out there in Europe. The dangerous Georgia is making sure that your job is is at risk. Well, it seems like that's the only that's the only thing we can handle, <laughs> because qualifying is not one of it. <laughs> the other part, which I think was quite funny, is that uh, the winning goal it was scored by Davidashvili and it was assisted by Azarovi. And I know you carry both of them very deep in your heart. <laughs> yeah, I've been quite critical against them, but you know there there was something interesting. Davidashvili has been increasing his level, and he seems like this kind of player who. Who performs properly in the national team? And Azarovi, he was playing in a different position. He was like more offensive than defensive. Actually, I think that he he used the line of five um, in, in this game, and we gave away a bit of, of the ball control, the possession control. Uh, but I felt like the team looked a bit more comfortable this way. And another good thing is that we had some of the guys playing in a good level, with Vasily and Gvilia. Um, they were actually really good in this game. So, yeah, I think overall the performance was acceptable, not enough to be uh, you know, excited or hyped or whatever, because it's, it's, uh, we had to win both games against Kosovo, even if their their players are, are playing in, in better leagues and, and whatever. As national team, I always thought we were a bit stronger than them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, at least, you know, three points and at least the victory it was, it was, it was needed. But, Emir, uh, I wanted to give you some kind of, um, you know, I have some some conclusions. I actually seven of them, and I wanted to share them with you. And I would like to know if you agree or disagree with them. Um, do you want me to start? Yes, sure. Okay, so I start with the first one. So, conclusion number one: after all the seven games, okay, Umaglesi Liga players are not on level to play for the national team. You know, maximum we can give. A, some minutes to one player, but using more than one in the same match at the same time can be considered a suicide. Do you agree? Uh, yes, you should use them for bench and depth only. Even if you even if you said that Azarovi made the assist. Yes, but uh, you know, it's not. He's not a Ernul Liga player. I mean, he he's top Ernul Liga player, which means he could technically play abroad at this point. And he will, for sure. So it's fine if he plays. Mm, okay, that's, I accept that answer. So I have this conclusion number two. And mm-hmm. as I have pushed many times, Okriasvili 
with his experience and talent, he should play as the false nine in the national team. And every time he does, he does. I, he, we don't lose, you know, which is already uh, an achievement by statistics itself. Do you agree that this is the best choice? Uh, tough. No, I, I don't. I, I I don't see Georgia playing with two forwards, and I really want uh, Mikael Dotson to be the main striker. So where would the false nine be? Then we would have to play with two forwards, right? One dropping and yeah. And so I I would play him as one of the offensive midfield options, but not necessarily as false nine because now I'm more calm that we have a proper nine up front. Yeah. Well, Kacharawa is also fit again, so he might be. Uh, I'm very tempted. <laughs> okay, so conclusion number three: the September window, which was one of the worst windows we've we've had throughout our history gave a slight light of hope as we found out Sitai Shwili, who should be a regular player in the national team. Do you agree? Uh, yes, he should always be part of the squad, at least. And then uh, whether he should start always, I'm not sure, but he should be part of the... He should be called up whenever fit. Hmm. Well, uh, that's, that takes me to the fourth conclusion, which possibly will, will give us more uh, fighting here, Emir, because as a result of the third conclusion, about Sita Shuri. I believe some players have done more in one or two games for the national team than Sabalov Janidze has done in 10 or 20 matches. So I simply believe that the share of the national team is too heavy for him as it is for some of the other guys. Do you agree there? Uh, yes, but I still find him a useful player. But he's good for a specific type of match. You know, uh, the ones that we're expected to be countering which is basically every game <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but maybe not the games that we should be controlling the ball and keeping the momentum and stuff he was really good against sweden away for example i remember yeah. so he's, do you he's, know that he's he's one of the most consistent players in the national team with, with Sagnon? he's played more, possibly the 90 percent of the games and, and yet no assists no goals um, I don't know. Mm, but in Turkey, he still delivers numbers. And yeah, maybe, maybe this is what Sanyol sees. He's a yeah. strong point player. Yeah. Okay, so speaking about strong point players, uh, conclusion number five, Kwekweskire needs to be always in the national team. Uh, yes, because we don't have similar players to him. And uh, also remember that we have we have not scored from free kicks or corner kicks in, in a while. And his setting pieces is really good. So, yeah, uh, I think, um, yeah, we need him there. So, conclusion number six. Important players need to have practice in their teams. Guys like Dvali, for example. Uh, once they're not playing, uh, the national teams looking really weak in their positions. That's correct? Well, yes, uh, but what happens if they don't? What are the options? That's the problem. So that's why it happens that even if you play zero minutes, you still be called because we don't have that depth. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Well, we have no many options. What happens when Dwell is not playing is that we receive five, six goals as we did in, against Spain. <laughs> that's it. Okay, so that takes me to the last spot. And the conclusion summary is that we continue being a hospital. You know, before every match, we, we have most of our players injured. It starts to look even pathetic in the end. Uh, a bit suspicious as well. Besides that, we have a long list of players who are injured in their clubs and not even being considered for the national team. Guys like Hareshwili, Tabidze, 
could who could afford a lot of a lot of experience and talent in our you know soft spots, but we're missing them as well. So how can we handle this? And this is the topic we've been repeating a lot. But one way or another, it's affecting us, right? Yes, but I, you know, I, you said it there. It's it is a hospital every time that the national team calls. I don't honestly think that they're all injuries. I think yeah. there's something else because it it can't be that each and every time, you know, something is broken. Uh, you know, there's all these injuries coming up, and it can't be bad luck anymore. This is a pattern, and why I, I don't know. But I'm starting to have second thoughts about these injuries. I, of course, I don't have a great answer as to why it happens to Georgia only, uh, but for sure it's not just uh, bad luck anymore, I would think. Emir, but you know, this time it's been, it's been different. You know, we are used to the injuries and we're used to, you know, the, the list being updated every day after it's released for the guys to, to join the national team. But this time it's different because they play a couple of minutes and for the second match, just hours before the game, they just leave the national team. It's it's kind of weird. And I'm not speaking about Kite who actually got an injury in, uh, mm. at the beginning of the match. I'm saying that like Chakra, for example, they say, oh, he has a fever. Then he goes and he plays with the club. Same Mikel Tadze, they said he's injured and then he goes and plays with the club. So, you know, I've, it's, it's, it's kind of suspicious. I agree with you. That's what I mean, because the the timing makes it look suspicious. I think uh, when they return to their yeah. clubs and they play, and international yeah. team a couple of days prior, it was not enough. So it makes you question the dedication, the motivation. Is there is it because the clubs have said something that you know we don't want to uh, that our players should be playing uh, these two games or something? You know, it, it can be as well, but then you must be transparent about it. I think rather than faking. Uh, excuses but those were all the seven quick fire questions right yes and uh, well maybe we can we can drop it there and, and, and speak about the next one because we're playing Sweden in Batumi on November 11th and actually we're playing also Uzbekistan in no- on November 16th which would be the official starting of the new season of the national team so yeah I don't think that Georgia will, will become a block for Sweden under qualifying purposes I don't even see ourselves mm. blocking the the rocket impulse Sweden has right now. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting if Sanyol will fight with his teeth to get no needed points, or if he still will, let's say, try to start uh, and give us a new face of the national team with new, maybe only young blood and new strategy. Uh, what would you expect for, from that one? I'm a bit scared of this game, you know, uh, from a Swedish standpoint, I mean. And that is because... Sweden have now been talking about, oh, it's the final game against Spain in Spain about who will take the first place. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of focus about that game from Swedish media. And, you know, even on press conferences, all they talk about is, oh, you know, and now we play Georgia and then we play the final against Spain. So they have already kind of counted the victory against Georgia. This is a very scary position to be in. You're only so much focused on this big final against Spain to the point where you are just ignoring uh, the game against Georgia. And I think this will be uncomfortable because now we have some suspensions on our Swedish, uh, from a Swedish standpoint. They're coming there with, um, I think Albin Ekdal is, is going to be out. And um, yeah, it's, like Georgia has everything to win this game uh, if they want to. That's the, that's the thing. Not from a you know, climbing in the table kind of a way. But 
they can really shock Sweden because uh, last time Sweden did this, they lost in Greece. And I, I, I sense something is not going to be so easy uh, in Batumi, to be honest. Simply because of this ignorance of yeah, refusing to even acknowledge this game as a, as a task. So that's why I think that Georgia has good chances. And you know what? There's a football podcast here in Sweden who were really, really impressed with Georgia when they played in Stockholm. You know, this was back in March. You, you remember this game, which was very promising. And uh, they were very impressed with Kvitsa, who, who had number 18 this game on the on the shirt. And I listened to the podcast again. Now they released an episode a couple of days ago and they said, now we're playing Georgia in Batumi, but our number 18, the kind of danger man who was, of course, Kvitsa, they said that uh, now he changed number to number seven. So they still keep an eye on Kvitsa. They're scouting whenever he changes the shirt number. They, they are very much aware about what is waiting uh, from him, at least. So I, I just think it's funny that the impact that he'd made in March has made you know, uh, Swedish media profiles keeping an eye on him in particular and, and the threat that he poses. Uh, and yeah, we will have to see how that turns out. But it just... That was a quick side, side kind of track. But uh, I think that with Chakwe back and if Huicha plays and uh, Mikael Tadsen, Sweden will have a difficult game, is my conclusion there, to be honest. You're maybe not so optimistic. Well, I'm, I'm not. But, you know, it's because, you know, you mentioned the game in, uh, in March. Yeah. And I think after that, we have decreased our level a lot. Yes. And Sweden has increased the level, you know. So, and your motivational point is, is, is huge for Sweden right now. You're, you're aiming for the World Cup. Mm-hmm. You're aiming for the match against Spain. You want to just destroy Georgia to, to, you know, to put a hand on the table and say, listen, guys, we're facing Spain, but we're coming with our, our impulse. So, you know, wasting points or having a, a, a drama yeah. in Georgia will give you a, a pushback, right? It's dangerous indeed. It is dangerous. I mean, imagine having a Champions League final in two weeks. But first, you have to play a domestic game against, I don't know, some really boring team. I'm not sure how you would approach that game. That's the danger. So, yes, Sweden are favorites and all of that, but it's going to be interesting. I'm not, I don't expect a good performance from Georgia as in, as in March. But, you know, maybe keep the numbers low uh, until maybe a minute 70 or so. Could be an option. But we'll have to see. Another aspect is that George actually, with the victory against Kosovo, climbed three places up on the ranking, um, on in the world ranking, and we now sit number ninety-three in the world. That is three positions higher. And uh, now, Kagi, you know what that means? We have to chase uh, Almighty Lebanon and Bahrain, who are ahead of us. <laughs> well, maybe that's why we are facing Uzbekistan. Yes, because we need to get used to the level. <laughs> but yeah, but speaking about that, I mean, actually, I think that Sweden or the match against Sweden will mean that um, Sanyo will try something new. I kind of think that he will, uh, he, maybe he will lose some of the, let's say, old guard guys. But I think that it, it could be the last of, the, of them in, in, in the national team. I also believe that some of them will retire from the national team. And with this, I mean, uh, specifically Loria, Kankava, and Kashia. And that gives me another topic to speak about. And um, maybe I'm not very worried about Kashia because, you know, he's been, a, he's been a fighting lion in the national team. 
but let's let's uh, let's let's be honest. He plays with his heart, but uh, talent-wise, he's not the best defender ever. I mean, we've we've had really good defenders, and I see some of some of the young guys, promising guys, coming around and coming up. So yeah, I'm worried about the defensive line, but it's not like we like Kashi is our savior, right? Uh, but I have a complete different uh, approach to Kankava because Kankava is actually a guy who completely changed our our defensive midfielder's position uh, history historically. So now he's well, his performances have been um, not on his level because he's already old. You know, ages ages count. And we, I don't see anybody taking that spot. We we spoke on a certain in a certain episode that Kochuras really was our favorite guy to to be there, but he's not increasing his level in in Spain as we expected, and he will not get the chance in, in the national team until he's he's not playing in the A team. So uh, Senor was was clear on that. So uh, I'm really worried about who's. Who are you going to put in that sensitive position for a team like Georgia? Because you need somebody who works like like an engine there, you know. And I, I mean, uh, well, Quetbe is interesting, but he's not a defensive player as or like a lion defensive or the teeth fighting guy as Kankava is. So, you know, I don't know. Well, we don't have that type. And yeah, this is why it would be nice if uh, we could steal uh, Maradishvili, if you remember. He's more yeah. similar to this type. And I know he's been increasing his level as well. Uh, I think you watched a game or so and you you were impressed. And you said that it looks like it's a big loss for us, to be honest there. Yeah. I was impressed by some, some some of his skills. He was not playing as a defensive midfielder in that match. I, I, I refer, hmm. I'm referring to the game between Lokomotiv Moscow and Rubin Kazan. But he was playing a little bit uh, upper on an upper side, like uh, like central midfielder, and I was impressed by his passing skills. Really effective, really nice. He the, the body positioning was really cool. So it was like a mix of a Georgian individual skills with a more disciplined um, structure on, on passing and on, on on playing with the team. So I actually liked him. I'm not sure if he can hold the the defensive position all by himself, but Certainly, I, I, mm. no, I was, it was. It is a pity that we that we left this this talent. Maybe it's not it's not lost yet, but I'm not sure how 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 many possibilities we have for to invite him to Georgia. Well, if we can only focus on Georgian players at the moment to replace Kankawa, then the answer is none. So the conclusion from that is that we have to uh, learn how to play without his abilities in the team and do things differently. Um, the closest we get is probably Quekwe, uh, but uh, I think uh, we've had so many years to think about the replacement of him and we've not managed to produce any player worthy of that task. So the reality is to try play without him and be successful no matter what. I think we have many players who are similar uh, elsewhere, but this one is the one hurting Um because there's no no adequate replacement there. Um, but I want to speak about something more positive then, because if you think about, we're already on topic of about the future and the future. And speaking of the future, what looks promising is the under-19 generation, Kari. And they're making some crazy results. Uh, lately, they handed Norway their first loss in like two years. But it's not just this individual game against Norway, even that, though that's the most recent one. 
they are on a crazy run here because they have in the last 11 matches this includes friendlies qualifications everything dating back to 2019 so it's a span of two years collected results here 11 matches 10 wins one draw with 26 nine in goal difference that's that's those numbers looks like German numbers. It's hard to believe that the Georgian team is producing this. Yeah, indeed. And uh, we're all proud of them. And it's not only about the results. It's their quality. You know, when you see them playing, you actually enjoy the, the football they're, they're developing, which is uh, kind of different. You know, it has the Georgian skill, but it also really organized, surprisingly, because usually at that age, Georgian players are not very disciplined. So, you know, the coach, uh, Maisuradze, has been, you know, just impressive with his performance on, on the spot. And they have a really interesting link. A couple of really good guys, really promising talents. Among them, your, your favorite, Gagnize. Uh, you know, I'm really impressed. I watched all of their three games in, in, in the recent qualifying uh, matches. And it, it's incredible how strong, how strong they play. I mean, they're so convinced that they have to win. That even if they have the advantage, they keep pushing, they keep attacking. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of a, a different uh, thing that we're used to. So I'm I'm not surprised by success of, of our youth national team because we've seen it before. Yes. But I'm surprised of the mentality they're showing in here. You saw they also have clean sheets in all uh, all of the games, uh, the qualifying games against Norway, Wales, and Kosovo. Clean sheets in all of them. That's very non-Georgian as well. Yeah. And the defenders are really young. They're not like uh, closer to the 19 or 20. No, they're they're 18 years old. Yeah. They're really, really young. So you can work a lot with them. Absolutely. But you highlighted something in the episode before that we have had successful youth teams before. And Maisorad has been often in charge of the ones and under 17 and yeah, under 19 and 21 even. But we often lack... Uh, the conversion to con- kind of convert them to the senior national team in the end. So, you know, historically, I know it looks good now for this generation, but in three or five years, a third of these might be playing in Bachmaro, for example. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, or retired. Or yeah, so or you retired. Can expect, yeah, so, you can expect only three players from this list to to join the national team and to be normal, regular players, not something outstanding. Of hope this time will be different to me. Yeah, you would hope so because the results are, like I said, I'll read up some names. They have beaten Poland, Croatia, Hungary, now Norway. I mean, these are not minor nations. They're pretty good football wise when it comes to youth development. And the last time they lost was against Czech Republic in 2019. So this generation don't know what losing is about uh, yet. Mm-hmm. Now we probably jinxed it like enormously, but um, yeah, it's a really fun team to watch at the moment. And uh, I just hope that they continue. And uh, interestingly, they played a, like a four-four-two formation, which is also very yeah non-Georgian to do. Yeah, so that's also interesting. And do you know something else, Amir? Um, they still have to play the edit round uh, the next year. But also, I think that some of these guys, they will join the Euro 21 in the Euro. Because you remember that we are hosting the Euro and we yeah. are already there. So maybe the Euro 21, which is not a strong team, if you ask me, 
they have some names, but we, we don't have a really strong U21. Um, I think that some of these boys will, will join the, the major team. So I do believe that this gang has a lot of opportunities to call the attention of, of international agents, uh, um, talent developers, and I don't know. I really hope that this time we don't see 50-60% of this gang playing in the third division of Georgia, retired, uh, you know, working on office jobs, you know. <laughs> I do believe that all of them have huge uh, uh, talent. And, uh, yeah, I really hope to see something better this time. But I'm surprised, and I really hope they can make, make it to the Euro. That's the most important thing. Absolutely. And noticeably that there's uh, three foreign... There are three players who are based abroad. The rest are from Dinamo and Sabortalo mainly. Uh, but the foreign... Who are the guys abroad besides Gagnica? Uh, Georgi Tsretiani. He plays now in Braga. Braga youth teams. Gagnica, oh, of yeah. course, you know, in Ural and well, Dinamo Moscow. And we have the striker, Georgi Khabuliani, who is playing in Adana Demirspor. He recently transferred there. And the guy in port, so he, he didn't join the team because he was injured. But he's also part of this gang. I think so, yes. He would be here. Then we have a lot of... We have one player from Gagra, for example. There's a couple from mm-hmm. Dinamo Academy. The, the one from Gagra, Georgi Guishiani, he was playing in the... Uh, conference league qualification so he's only 17 so i see he still picked up some experience there interesting group very interesting group keep an eye on them yeah yeah also we will keep an eye here on, on the youth 17 they started to develop in, in the qualifying group they they got a draw against uh, iceland right uh, against iceland yeah they still have two matches to go against estonia and hungary so, yeah, hopefully they will make it to the early round as well. Mm. It's a big responsibility yeah. on the Georgia and, well, GFF and coaches now to make sure that these players are having a proper uh, plan of how they are going to convert uh, eventually. But while we are on a domestic uh, topic, uh, the domestic league has been playing as well. Uh, the Edinburgh League, of course, came with the biggest fixture um, in the Dynamo Derby. It finished 1-1, but before we get into the game it's, and so on, uh, the meaning about that point. Uh, it was fun to see the supporters doing uh, like a TIFO before the game. Lord of the Winds with uh, Geguchadze's face on it. Yeah, I, I'm falling in love with, with Batumi's fans. I love them. And, uh, you know, the best thing on, on, of the match was, was the fans again. So uh, we're getting used to that show. So I'm I'm excited to see every time they have uh, people on the on the pitch. Actually, I want Batumi to play always at home <laughs> because we we can see this kind of uh, artistic designs and it's it's really awesome and it's really awesome. Mm. We were missing this kind of things in Georgia. We spoke about this uh, early mm. January, February. I remember. So now we have it. Yeah, at least one club, and I hope more follows. I like that it also exists here, like uh, two rivals, kind of uh, you know making fun of each other, saying Lord of the Winds. I guess they refer to the fact that they have now uh, they have met Dinamo Tbilisi four times now. They have won three and one draw, so they actually avoided losing to the rivals uh, throughout the entire season, which is good and strongly done. And that's a oh. underwhelming from Dinamo Tbilisi here, but no one is really surprised. Even though this was their best result against Patomi, to be honest, 1-1. Uh, 
Um, but this also means that Batumi will probably be crowned champions in maybe two, two, three matches or so. So the yeah. league, the excitement for the league is kind of over in terms of who will become the champion. What would you say about the champion in the end if it now turns out to be Batumi? Is this what is needed for Georgian football? Definitely, because uh, you know, I told you, and I, I think you remember that I made a promise that Batumi the next year will play a, a group stage of the European tournament of any of them. So now you can you can see that Batumi, if they they just have to win one game, one one let's say playoff in in the European tournaments, and they will make it to the to the mm. group stage. So I do believe that this team has three positive things. First, the management has been just brilliant. We have to congratulate them for that. Secondly, they have kept all, almost all of their uh, principal players. If they keep them together until the next year's uh, qualifiers and, and, and they hold them together, then they will be a really really dangerous rival for any team. And the third is, of, as we mentioned before, the fans. They have made this impact in the Georgian, in the Georgian fans, not only fans from Batumi, but also in the rest of the country. So, uh, I do believe that they that these guys uh, have a really decent project, and it is time for for us to show it to the world. And the, the best way to do it is to have a team in the, in, in the group stage. Um, speaking about Dynamo Tbilisi, they are doing the same as always. They're following the same as always. They spoke a lot. They said a lot. The media has wrote a lot. But at the end, we said we still have the same things going on around there. So uh, they're still holding a position for for European spots, and they will play possibly the the Conference League um, qualifications, but I don't expect anything from them. And uh, well, I think I'm more excited about the third position, which is uh, under a big fight between Sabotalo and Dilagori. And maybe even Lokomotiv Tbilisi can can join the uh, the fight in the, in the last in the last matches. But yeah, as you said, Batumi is a deserved uh, leader of the championship, and I had I hardly believe that. Uh, it will be taken away from them. They just need to win like three games out of six, maybe two, and they're there. Do you agree with me? Yes, fully. I, I want to see Dynamo Tbilisi fail now until they make a proper change. That's the only medicine to turning things around for them. So I'm glad that they not that they were a disaster in Europe and that they did not win the domestic title. So that will have to be seen as a failure. But that being said... I was reading really yes. That, I'm sorry for interrupting. No, no worries. I was just going to say that even if they played up to normal standards, I don't think it would be enough to... Oh, they, they want to bring Kankava and Kashi after their, their adventure in Sloven. <laughs> and, you know, these are old guard. You know, and they want Kankava, Kasia, maybe even Loria, I'm not sure. And uh, and their asset is to bring Quick Vescriti. I'm not sure how why would you like to kill a player who's developing so well and bring him to the Umaglesi Liga, uh, like Quick but I was thinking that imagine Kankawa, Kwekwe, and Jano, if he's fit any time in the future, that could be a really good team. You know, even if they're, uh, despite their age, if for Georgian standard, it's really good. For maybe one season. And then, but you, I, I'm still a firm believer that you need players who don't feel sure about their starting places. Uh, you need players who play for their careers, not players who play to relax. I think that becomes a poison. So you can do it for a season at most, then you have to you have to change plan. 
you must have players who are playing for their careers to progress and to feel nervous if they make a mistake, you know, that they feel, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, to keep this competitive mindset, not a relaxing mindset of saying, oh, I've returned to my country, I'm I'm a short starter, no matter how what happens. Like, that's not how you build teams for me. So I would not be happy to see that happen. Maybe for a European qualification, they could they could help, but a very, very short-term plan, I hope. If it, This sounds very much like Dynamo, though. This sounds like an incredibly Dynamo thing yeah. to do. But would you, would you bring like players who who are not playing in their teams abroad, and they want another chance? Like for example, what what Santredia did with with Arabidze, something like that. Uh, is that what you mean? Uh, yes, you can bring them short term, but like don't build, uh, don't build around them because like, they they're also too old. They know that, for example, if Kankava came back, he, he would not do it to restart his career. He would do it to give okay. to just to practice and keep fit and play some games, some minutes. That's not what Dynamo needs. That's what he needs, you know. Um, It's the same in, in Sweden. We have many of these players who play abroad and they return when they are maybe 33 or so. And people are always so surprised of how shit they are. Uh, mm-hmm. We had Yves Koyoteboria is the prime example of that right now. They have brought... It's many of their old heroes back and uh, they're almost relegated now. Almost. They're fighting for relegation despite having so many experienced players coming back. And this is just a prime example of, you see, names are not everything. It's about uh, the hunger that they come back with, not to come back and relax. It's very, very dangerous to go down that route. I think it's a, it's a football crime if you're a sporting director to just build a team like that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But, you know, Uh, there's something positive we, that we can mention about Dinamo Tbilisi, even if you if you find it surprising. But you know, I was checking the, the <laughs> well, positive things. I like Harabadze, the left back. He's recovering his form. I like yeah. him. I told you when I was watching the game. Mm-hmm. But also, I liked that the Georgians who are playing in Dinamo in the starting lineup. For example, let's take the last one against Dinamo Batumi. At the back, they had Hwadagiani and Kalandadze. They are 18 and 20 years old. And in the well, Harabadze is 21. And up there in the midfield area, they have Mekfabishvili and Kutsia, who are 2021. So uh, these guys are are young. So they're still keeping this kind of young talent development. And actually, some of them are pretty good. I really like them. Um, they're not on the level of Chakwe and Kite when they were playing in Dinamo. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's not like you you just uh, enjoy watching Dinamo even if they play against any uh, the sec- Georgian second division teams. But they still kept this uh, these young guys who are growing in the team, which is something good. I just think that they it's it's management wise again. It's the balance between the foreigners they're bringing in, the the, the experienced players they have, and and the career they build for their players. Meaning that they sell them as as as, as the first sign. You know, they they just they don't make what Batumi did with Azaroy, for example. They negotiated. They denied the possibility of of uh, him leaving for a for a low price or, or not so such good opportunities for him as a on his personal development. So uh, I think I think that Dinamo Tbilisi still has a lot of things that could be working properly if they just managed it on, on the way it has to be managed. But yeah, I just wanted to give the small the small 
light, but I'm pretty sure that these guys will not be in the number one. They're playing the Conference League next year because that's what always happens, you know? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's what's happening in domestic football-wise. Um, we touched on some topics. Uh, Chaco being back playing more consistently, which is nice to see. Uh, they played yesterday, right? Was it yesterday? Yes, yeah. yes, it was. They yeah. won. He did a good uh, game. Yeah. Partizan. Yeah, they won that one. And uh, he could have had like uh, two assists and a goal at least. He was uh, hot around the penalty area. Um, playing with shirt number 10, which is kind of a big status number to have. It shows that he's certainly a key player, despite all of his history there now with injuries and stuff. Yeah, I like it. I like that. And also, I like that the team, the, his teammates, and uh, everybody still uh, kind of uh, rely on him. They they like him. They they play like a team, you know, and uh, they support him. And and when uh, once Chakwe has the ball, I don't. I'm not sure if you have noticed. When Chakwe has the ball, everybody's looking for a free space because they know that any time they will receive the ball, you know. So that's because they trust him and trust their his ability. I really like him that. Uh, even if he's receiving a hard ball, he still pushes. He still puts his his leg. You know, he's not afraid of of, of getting hit or or whatever. So or, or on the metal side, I'm not sure who's working with him, but uh, I do believe it has to be some someone from Ghent. Uh, but this guy is doing a wonderful job mm. because uh, mentality is the most important thing after you have this kind of serious injuries. And I think that Chakri has the correct guy there. So, yeah, you can see that in his performance. Yeah. And, Emir, I wanted to ask you about Kvicha because he apparently he's having a, a down tempo in his recent in the recent months. Uh, do you think that this is consequence of, of everything surrounding him and his career? Like, uh, let's say the, all these transfer rumors and the, this fight between agent, club and, and local media? Yes, I definitely think so. Yeah. Um, this is what comes when this is, it will punish you if you don't have good advisors and people around you and this is what's slowly happening now but don't you think that this means that also Kvicha then wanted to leave because after all this drama he didn't leave and, and that's why he's maybe a lack of motivation because he, he couldn't make it that means that he's he's a player with a different mentality than the other Georges he actually wants to be somewhere else. Is that good? It's, of course not. It's, not. it's not good, but it's up to the club. They they have kind of created the situation together with the agent. And, and so there was even reports, I saw, you know, some kind of rumor that Kvitsch uh, and Slutsky had a bit of arguments or, you know, not been so close lately. I'm not sure. Uh, and this is a kind of triangle between agent, parent, Slutsky and, you know, Kvitsch uh, himself. But there's been some, you know, people are just disappointed at each other in this circle. And uh, it could be true. It wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. Hmm. Well, yet, yet against Lokomotiv Moscow, he was very good. He was the best guy on the page. And he was playing wisely, nicely, becoming uh, really aggressive on the, on the offensive uh, positioning. And also defensively, he was helping a lot. So, yeah, he was actually selected the man of the game. So, I, you know, maybe he's recovering and getting ready for the next transfer window, which is going to start in a couple of months. 
I, I don't know. I want. I don't want to speak more about that topic. But um, do you think there's a possibility, maybe, to see him somewhere else, starting from January? Uh, you know, I don't dare to say anything about this topic anymore because uh, whatever we say just goes uh, the opposite. It will look so certain <laughs> that he will leave, and then I, I think I, I can't promise it because of the people that he has around him. Simple. That's the yeah. that's the answer. But um, yeah, that, that being said, we can leave that for another day. And uh, I think we have captured what's going on uh, in the world of Georgian football recently and up until this point. Unless you want to add something uh, for the for the wrap up here, Kavi. Uh, no, I think I think we we covered most of the topics we had to cover. Uh, we'll have more news in the upcoming uh, weeks. Maybe for the next episode, we already have the list of the of the players to to join the the national team for for the next matches. So it would be interesting to see uh, what's on Sanyol's mind. But for yeah. now, I think we're okay, Emir. Yeah, looking forward to Sanyol's mastermind of how to shock Sweden. That would be fun. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're not the, the maybe you're the only Swedish guy who was actually afraid of that match. <laughs> uh, yeah, possibly, but we'll see. I like when I'm when I'm like alone in a corner, uh, you know, going against the mainstream. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Scary game for sure. Will you hate Georgia if if we if we destroy like uh, or do something like against Sweden in that game? No, it will be Sweden's own own fault because I, I I'm telling. The risk right now in this podcast. This is a game which is being overlooked, and it will come to haunt you if you miss it. So, I've been, yeah. The warning is is already done. Now it's up to them, but we'll have to see when we get there. We'll see that, man. We'll see. Uh, that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening, and uh, you know the famous words. Until next time, we say Nachandes. 